Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. Here's your host, Jason Swigard. Let me turn my microphone on there for you. Uh, a fine good morning uh, to everyone. I hope everyone is safe and sound uh, at home or wherever you uh, have to be this morning. It's been an interesting week, to say the least. Uh, you hear uh, in the background on the phone there one Harold Bluestein. No, uh, not taking social distancing uh, to the extreme from me. However, uh, the snow dumped in Clark County this morning, and uh, he snowed in. How you doing there, big man? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really snowed in. I'm protecting myself from those who don't know how to drive in the snow. Well, I know so, you. Uh, you've been dealing yeah, with that ahead. for I don't know how many weeks. It's it's been uh, it's been nearly a month since we've been in the same studio, and we'll explain as we go along here, trying to. Uh, uh, focus on golf for an hour, even though there's not going to be golf for the next month at least, and we'll get into all of that. We do have one guest today, uh, Ryan Daly, who's a PGA professional in North Carolina. Uh, he and a fellow uh, PGA professional developing a program called Operation 36 Golf. And, um, you know, for those who continue to want to try and get into it, uh, either with their their kids or themselves and don't know how or feel overwhelmed, uh, their goal is to introduce a million new golfers to the game and get them to shoot even par for nine holes by 2025. And they have a, uh, a program in place that's been effective in the Carolinas, and now they're uh, taking it out to the uh, rest of the United States and North America. And uh, it's good to see... Uh, for the the development of the game, uh, kind of a a new approach, and I'm excited to talk to him coming up at 8:30. Yeah, the the idea of uh, beginners getting out on the golf course has always been a problem. Uh, when do you take them out? How do you take them out? How do you uh, teach them skills, and at the same time, 
they learn the excitement of playing the game. Uh, and Operation 36 has got a handle on how to, how to go about doing that. So we will talk to Ryan coming up at uh, eight thirty. Uh, obviously, uh, the story this week has been the uh, sports world shutting down rather rapidly, rather quickly. Uh, we'll get to that as well, and then maybe start to look through uh, to the coming weeks and months once everybody kind of understands and we have a better handle on how the coronavirus is is working, you know, through society and with all the measures being taken to not congregate and to slow its spread, there will come a time here, I think in the not too distant future, weeks rather than months where people will be looking for activities that they can go and do and get out of the house and put themselves in what is a relatively safe environment. And I think golf courses are going to be a big part of that. We'll talk about that later on as well. But first of all, Harold, how are you feeling? You had to go uh, back to the doctor as soon as you got home. What happened? Yeah. Well, oh, God, I got a piece of steak stuck in my esophagus. And if that is, if for anyone out there who has had this experience, it's really weird. It's not like I needed uh, Dr. Heimlich to help me out. I could breathe and everything, but I got something stuck. And so uh, we had to uh, – I went to ER, they gave me a shot, we got everything fine, came back home, doctor looked at me and said, you're fine, you're just stupid, And the, uh, which I don't know how he understood that or, or came to that conclusion after looking down my, my throat, but, he, uh, but I'm fine, healthy, uh, ready to get back into golf, and I, I'm excited about playing as soon as the snow melts. Uh, I want to get out there and, and hit a golf ball. Harold, I got to say, I know we've said it a million times on this show, <laughs> but I'll just say it a million and one more times. It is terrible when you get meat stuck in your throat. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes meat. Get, no one likes meat getting rammed and stuck down their throat. I, I swear we've talked about this over and over. <laughs> you got to stop feeding me these uh these straight lines. I've got. To, I'm. I'm not going to say anything more right at the moment. Yes, that's a that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Last we talked, uh, everything seemed fine. We had mentioned uh, that the LPGA Tour uh, they had canceled their Southeast Asia uh, events and there the coronavirus outbreak there in in China and other places in that part of the world but it seemed you know a, a, an entire world away at that point uh and now the all the professional tours are essentially shut down until the middle of April uh we'll see if that means they can come back and and re up and pick the uh pick the schedule up or delay it a couple of weeks rearrange a few things or if it's going to be longer than that, I think that's the biggest mystery right now is once uh, the NBA shut down uh, when it was determined Rudy Gobert had uh, had contracted the coronavirus and they're like, okay, we got to get everybody out of here and get people not having contact with people as well as having large crowds assembled in a confined space. Uh, but I, I always seem to thought, I had the thought that when the PGA Tour elected to go on with the champ- with the Players' Championship, I really got the sense that they thought if they don't have the fans show up and the crowd show up, 
that they could go ahead and keep playing. And frankly, I was kind of encouraged, not just because I'm a golf fan, but because if we're all going to be, you know, in our houses and, and getting away from, you know, groups of people, we needed something to occupy ourselves. I was kind of excited that, yeah, they'll, they'll go on. I know they might take some heat for it, but quickly they shut down Disney World and Universal Studios right where they were playing, and they, they were forced. Well, Jay Monahan had no decision at that point. I think the players were asking, what the hell are we doing here? And that was yeah, it. Yeah, I, I felt the same way you did, is that, uh, well, without the fans, there there really isn't a problem here because they're outside and, and, and such. But when you think in terms of the Asian and the European players who have their families here and would have difficulty getting home uh, or have traveled from their home to the U.S., now you appreciate the problem that this this virus – could be spread quite easily among the players. And so I think uh, uh, Jay Monahan is looking at the safety of the players, number one, and being that this virus is transmitted uh, through community uh, association and connection, he was concerned that uh, it could create a problem. So not that uh, Disney World shutting down. I, I saw that as one of the reasons. And I thought, well, that's, that may be a justification, but that doesn't really connect up with the tour. What does connect with the tour is that the travel can create a problem in the spread of the virus, and he didn't want to have anything to do with uh, creating a problem there. No question. So, uh, yeah, Wednesday they went on and played as the rest of sports was shutting down. Or Thursday they played round one. And you feel bad for Hideki uh, Matsuyama, who fired a ridiculous 9-under-63 to take the early lead on that course, which is amazing in and of itself. Uh, but then literally no sooner was the first round over that the uh, announcement came out that they were going to cancel or cancel the rest of the tournament. Uh, the next few events uh, were being canceled as well right up until the Masters, and then they left it up to Augusta National to figure out what they were going to do. And that announcement came Friday morning. So basically all the tours, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour, the Champions Tour, the LPGA Tour, everything is shut down for essentially a month, the middle of April uh, at this point. And we expect... Within probably at the end of the month, the end of March is where a lot of the tours and all the sports for that matter, hope to have a little bit more information on if things are, uh, if the measures being taken uh, by, by the administration and, and public health organizations uh, throughout the country are working. Uh, if there is more testing and people can have a better idea of who is vulnerable for the virus, who has the virus, who doesn't have it. And then they can start to get an idea of when they may be resuming play. Uh, we've got some reactions from from players, uh, from commentators on on where golf is headed. But uh, right now, basically, it's just there's not enough information about this thing. And people said we can't we can't put ourselves in a vulnerable position either the the golfers, fans, or people that work around the tour and take that risk. Yeah, it, it's interesting that this is a situation where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So you really are better off uh, 
uh, on the side of caution. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any statistics or any testing that would indicate uh, how severe the virus is in the United States. Uh, China and North Korea, uh, I mean, South Korea, North Korea, they're not, they're, they're, they say they have no cases at all, which I find amazing. But the, uh, with testing in those other countries, they're able to determine uh, the spread of this uh, virus. In the United States, we're well behind uh, any amount of testing, and there might come a point where it's uh, too late to do any testing because it's already spread so far in. But uh, so decisions cannot be made until more information is known. And that I think that's the most unsettling part is that uh, this is not the flu. It's 10 times more uh, uh, what uh, you're, you're 10 times more likely to get this than, than the flu uh, or contagious. But we really don't have any statistics in any way to determine how quickly it's spreading or where. And I think that we have to get a handle on that first. Um, but it's, it's a problem. When you look at the schedules, uh, and an interesting thing that I noticed is that there's the language, depending on the tour, is different and the tournament. We have three different uh, words they're using here. One is canceled. Uh, the second is postponed, and the third is rescheduled. And depending on the tour or the tournament, in the case of the Masters, uh, they are using those three in different ways. And uh, I, you mentioned the LPGA. They are, they are uh, dead set on uh, rescheduling. So is the Masters. Um, the PGA Tour canceled. Uh, and in some cases, uh, they're saying, well, the – the um, masters postpone. So I don't know that that's a very difficult situation for each one of them to determine how they're going to reschedule these things. No question. And it'll be something once, uh, you know, the nice thing is, is they can have all those discussions now behind closed doors and nobody's going to be pestering them for anything until we figure out uh, what we're dealing with uh, with coronavirus as, as a society. So uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hear some reaction uh, taking from the cancellation uh, from the Players' Championship to the announcement Friday morning that the Masters will be postponed. But uh, sounds like Augusta National has is going to make every effort uh, to try and replay that at some point this year. When they can do that and how they'll do it is uh, will be very interesting. Uh, but that's where we'll pick things up. Uh, Harold, uh, they're snowed in up in Vancouver, but uh, on the phone with us, Ryan Daly uh, from Operation 36 going to join us at 8.30, and we'll take you up till 9 o'clock here. Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 8.16 this morning. Jason Swigard uh, here in studio. Harold uh, Bluestein there at uh, his palatial compound up in Clark County, undisclosed location, uh, snowed in. <laughs> I just saw some idiot drive by with snow covering his entire car, except a little uh, piece that uh, cleared on his windshield. And so I want to get out on the road with this guy. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, recovering from, uh, from a procedure. Is it a procedure or surgery when they uh, extract uh, lodged meat from your throat? It depends on how much sympathy I want. If, uh, 
if I want a lot and I feel like I need a big hug, I'll say surgery. But uh, really, when it comes right down to it, it's nothing more than a, a procedure. I, but they I think actually they call that a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they I was put under, so uh, and it's so funny when you're you in, the, uh, in the operating. <laughs> So wait a minute, you got put under, and then they yes. got down your throat and took the meat out? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, the meat was already out. It was the after effects of, the, <laughs> of this, and it was steak. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's be yeah. very clear about <laughs> what Hey, man, whatever like you want to call it, it's just a good time to me. <laughs> oh, All man. right. And well, this is. This is golf now. We're, we're yes. talking golf. We are yeah, talking go golf for here uh, for the next hour. <laughs> and, uh, well, what used to be golf. Uh, the PGA now, how would I adjust? Well, I've got to choke down on my club a little bit. Okay. <laughs> to <laughs> try and overcome. <sighs> Easy, Will. Easy. Uh, yes, the LPGA had been on hiatus uh, with their uh, Southeast Asian scheduled events, and then uh, the PGA Tour started play at the Players' Championship uh, on Thursday, round one. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama went out, course tying uh, 63-9 under, took the early lead, and as uh, the afternoon wave was coming in, the rest of the sports world was shutting down. The NCAA tournaments, uh, the conference tournaments were done. The NHL, Major League Baseball, MLS, the tennis tours all announcing during the day on Thursday uh, that they were suspending uh, their seasons and schedules. And that led to then the decision after round one uh, that indeed the PGA Tour was going to uh, shut it down. And uh, at that point, there really wasn't much decision left. Everything was was coming to a halt, uh, given the information that was coming out from the administration and, and from governmental agencies. So uh, there was a lot of hand-wringing, uh, beginning with Justin Leonard on Golf Channel, that the PGA never should have uh, had him there. And this was his thoughts uh, there on uh, live from the players. I think this would have been done better yesterday, at this time last night. Um, let's not put the public health at risk. And, and again, like we said, it's been a very fluid situation. Things have been coming out all day long. Uh, this thing is growing, you know, more than we thought it would, quicker than we thought it would. And hopefully by, by taking actions like this, um, it will keep, you know, prevent the spread to continue to grow over the next three or four weeks. And we can get an idea, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, where we stand with this. And so that was kind of it. I, I don't know. It was tough because the NBA was taking the front the lead on that. And as of before Wednesday night happened, I think the thoughts were, if we just don't have the crowds, we can continue to play games uh, and it'll be okay. We'll have an extremely controlled environment. The NCAA was talking about limiting to just, you know, families of the players and coaches. That was... Uh, the thought, and then it was an athlete uh, center for the Jazz contracting it, and that's when everything changed. And I, you know, the PGA Tour just took them a little longer. They were halfway down the road with round one. Well, all you need is one person contracting the the virus, and I don't care whether it's just families and uh, and friends or whether 
uh, there are no fans and the players interacting, you're really taking a risk at that point. It's kind of uh, silly to go on. We could second-guess them as far as, well, they should have done it earlier. This is the flagship tournament of the uh, PGA, the players. It's the biggest purse. Uh, I could see where they were a little reluctant, but on the other hand, um, you learn from these experiences, and then maybe next time you're better prepared or you act quicker or sooner. So, yeah, as Justin said, it's a fluid situation. Fluidity usually means that we're really not standing on solid ground, so we don't have a, a procedure to follow or a process to follow. And so the decisions are made on an if-come or as things uh, play out. Um, I was interested in, in uh, a couple of things that, first of all, that the ladies, the, the LPGA is going to be out of action for seven weeks. Uh, that's, that's incredible uh, for these ladies who are trying to earn a living on tour. There isn't any opportunity to do so. For the men, the top players is not a it's not a problem. They they could all take a break, uh, but there's uh, you know anyone from 125 up or or those are 100 up. They really need to be out there playing and, and making a living. So it's very difficult for them. I the I wanted to ask you specifically about the NC2A because you have a connection there with yeah. the, the pilots. Um, and I read this morning that the NC2A is going to be extending eligibility for seniors one more year. Well, for this the really un- yeah, un- for the spring athletes, they're still undecided on the winter athletes, so they canceled the spring season. So that's baseball, golf, tennis, everything that was coming up, softball, uh, track and field, all of those. They haven't made a decision on the winter sports, who essentially played most of their season and were just getting to the championships. Um, so it's not fully decided yet. A lot of those spring sports outside of baseball, maybe, uh, where guys have, you know, if they're ready to go and be drafted by the major leagues, there's serious money down the road for them. So how does this impact, uh, recruiting and for coaches to set up their teams for next year? Well, it's uh, recruiting has been placed on hold all sports in all fashions until April 15th. Uh, they just uh, no in person, no on campus visits. Basically, you can continue to call and text and check in on, you know, potential recruits. But um, there's no formal uh, recruiting. You can't go visit players. There's no events to go monitor or anything like that. So it's basically on hold other than just staying in touch with uh, potential recruits you've already, you know, contacted and had a relationship with. Well, and I would imagine some of the the golfers are going to decide to turn pro as opposed to hanging around for another year to play uh, their college uh, yeah. and finish out their college season. Yeah, I think uh, if they have an opportunity uh, to go play, some of that will depend on – you know, when things, you know, when the USGA starts to to put things in, in motion, are there, you know, amateur tournaments and things that those uh, collegiate golfers can play? Um, 
And then there was also uh, this kind of went under the wayside as we were out and about traveling and, and uh, you know, missed a show. But uh, the I think it was the top five ranked individual NCAA uh, golfers. The men were going to be granted status on the Corn Ferry Tour moving forward as uh, similar to the top five finishers on the McKenzie Tour and the, the Latin America Tours. Uh, as as they feed it up the the food chain, but that was something a new development, which was nice to see. That yeah, if if these guys, the the Scotty Schefflers, uh, you know, the next wave of them, if you're top, I can't remember if it was top five ranked how they were coming up with the determination, but uh, yeah, they were going to be granted corn fairy status and get them right out there on the tour. Well, I find that surprising, and I'm not sure I go along with it. Uh, these are these are kids who are not really ready for the tour life. And so now you're just going to throw them in there. And what about the players who have been out there for a couple of years and who are struggling uh, to make it onto the Corn Ferry Tour, and you're going to bypass all of their efforts? Uh, I, don't, I don't see this as, uh, as something that would make a lot of players very happy, except for maybe five college players. So I, I'm hoping that this, uh, and this is the first I've heard of it, I'm hoping that they reconsider this issue. Well, I think uh, the Q school will still go. They're still, as I said, the McKenzie tour, the Latin America tour, the other traditional ways to, um, you know, all those, all those qualifications still exist. So, and I don't know if they were fully exempt or if it was, uh, I'll have to find that uh, before the end of the show, but um but yeah, it was more working in conjunction to, you know, bring and it's and it's really the top probably guys that would have qualified anyway had they gone to Q school or anything like that. So, right, okay. Well, uh, you've got a couple more. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's uh, the Masters. I think being postponed was the big one. Uh, they caught up. Uh, Golf Channel caught up with Ricky Fowler to get his thoughts on uh, the Masters at this point, just being postponed. Yeah, you know, it's smart on their part. Uh, we don't know where we stand with what's going on and the health of our nation and people is obviously a lot bigger than golf and sports. And, um, that comes first and foremost. So obviously we'd love to have the masters go on at some point, but with it being roughly four weeks out, um, it's kind of hard to plan on that. So postponing it, you know, we'll see what happens. I think we're learning new stuff really every few hours, every day today. Um, like you said, a lot's changed just in the last day with uh, where we at. I mean, right now we're basically in a, a mini off season. And uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I know we're up against a break here, but uh, I, this is something that I think we need to talk a little bit more about uh, as far as the Masters and the, when they, they're saying they're going to postpone it. So when are they going to schedule it? Yep, that'll be interesting. Uh, Jack Nicholas had some thoughts on that. We'll save that for the business of golf. Uh, because we've got a guest coming up uh, next, Ryan Daly, Operation 36. He's a PGA uh, professional in North Carolina, uh, and there he started a program uh, a while ago, Operation 36 Golf. They kind of honed it locally, and now they're kind of rolling it out across the country, trying to get a million new golfers uh, to the game to shoot even par 
for nine holes by 2025. We'll ask him what the plan is and how it might be able to work for you or uh, those, if you are a golfer, those in your family, maybe your youngsters, you'd love to get them involved, helping you give them a little structure and a way to bring confidence in their game. Uh, so to keep them coming out, and we'll talk to him next as we make the turn here. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Bluestein. It's time to Ask the Pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on The Fan by Laurelhurst Market. 8.31 here this morning, Golf in the Northwest Center in Saint, coming up at 9 o'clock uh, with the latest on... Uh, Anything new. The NFL offseason uh, is still working as they try and uh, have a new collective bargaining agreement. So there It's is... going to be movie talk. Oh, okay. Let's be honest. All right. We're going to be there to try to cheer people up. Well, there they go. 9 to 11, Center and Saint uh, with Will and Luke. But right now, we're very pleased to have uh, joining us uh, on the line, PGA professional uh, president and co-founder of Operation 36 Golf, Ryan Daly. Uh, are you still in North Carolina, Ryan? I am. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. In North Carolina. There you go. I started this program, Keith Hills Golf Club in uh, Bowie's Creek. Am I saying that right? <laughs> you are one of the few. Yes, sir. <laughs> there you go. Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. And uh, a program, uh, you and your partner, Matt Regan, uh, looking for a junior golf development program. Couldn't find one, so you started one on your own. Uh, to that was more comprehensive and continuous rather than just a summer camp or a program and then kids working with an individual instructor. Uh, a program had 20 uh, in the first year, and since then it has uh, ballooned, and now you guys have an ambitious goal across the country. We do. You're exactly right. Third and small, and then it's kind of ballooned on us. And like you said, we're trying to get a million new golfers into the game by 2025, and we certainly need the help of golf pros around the world on that ambitious goal, but we're, we're excited to, to shoot for it because even if we get close, we at least, uh, we've at least grown the game, right? You, you certainly are, Ryan, and we appreciate it. I've been involved, as you have, in youth development and player development for a lot of years. I noticed that uh, you have some uh, background with golf tech, which is an indoor uh, learning sure. uh, experience. That had to have some influence on you wanting to to get players out onto the golf course, correct? Oh, 100%. Is this Harold that I'm talking to? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, Harold, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Um, my background of kind of doing individual private lessons with Hank Haney first in McKinney, Texas, and then Golf Tech in Plano, Texas for two years certainly had an impact on me. I would say that we were very good, and Golf Tech is phenomenal at teaching one-on-one -on -one private lessons in an indoor space. Where we probably missed the boat was junior golfers. Yes, we had a few that walked in the door, but it wasn't a great environment for them to fall in love with playing the game. So certainly, yeah, my experience at Golf Tech and also my personal experience in my own game where I, I kind of fell into some really bad places of just working on my swing and not really playing much. And then there were certain periods of time where I played a lot of golf, and that's when I enjoyed it the most. I fell in love with the process of getting the ball in the hole and problem-solving every day, how to get a little bit better, versus getting in those ruts of just working on my swing. And absolutely, yeah, I mean, Matt's my business partner, Matt Reagan's same, same scenario. We both kind of have gone the ebb and flow of working on our games and try to use that as we adjust and change Operation 36, which is completely different from when we started it in 2010. But we're just kind of evolving based on what the market is telling us in the industry of what, is, what they need. 
Well, as a club professional, I can appreciate the fact that we didn't have a lot of time to play. So when you got a chance, you ran out onto the driving range, you hit 10 golf balls, and you ran back into the shop and answered the phone. The uh, yep. So uh, now let's go ahead and uh, explain a little bit about what Operation 36 is and what the it, – there's it's not really that complex, but there is a process involved here. Oh, 100%. And, Harold, it's turned into a lot of just, like, random things when we first started where we just tried stuff to see if it would work, and then if it worked, we kept it, and if it didn't work, we scrapped it and tried something else. And what it's really evolved into now is it's a full on-course development model to take a beginner golfer from their first round of golf to becoming a lifelong golfer. And there's quite a few folks that want to play the game. They just haven't jumped in. And Operation 36 is giving them the opportunity to, with very little resistance, um, very little friction, they can just jump in, play on the golf course, come back in their weekly class with their coach, work on whatever they need to work on, go back out and play nine holes again using the model where they start close to the hole, try to shoot 36, and then move back. And it, hey, so far it's been a great, a great run so far. We're just trying to ride the wave. Ryan Daly is our guest, uh, PGA Pro uh, in North Carolina. He uh, co-founder of Operation 36 Golf. You can go online, Operation uh, the Number 36 dot Golf, and uh, start to find the information. With this program, I'm curious because there's adults and juniors, and it started out, um, you know, focused on the juniors. How different is the approach? to working with with young golfers versus when you get adults who may be trying to learn the game because uh, their friends, their spouses, uh, their neighbors, or whoever play it regularly. I I would imagine there's a lot more fear and apprehension in the adults trying to learn something new versus the kids who are much more receptive to trying something new and and getting out there. How different uh, are the two approaches between adults and juniors? Sure, that's a great way to look at it. Um, We've done a really good job on the front end, which we didn't do when we first started, of educating folks before they got to the course. And we found that by educating adults on what they're about to do, right, so they're going to start 25 yards away from the green, the goal is to shoot 36 or better. You're probably not going to do it the first time out, but you're going to do that. You're going to play nine holes. You're going to write down a respectable score of somewhere around 45 to 50 your first time out. And then you're going to get with your small group. So in the adult classes, there's anywhere from, let's say, five to ten students in the class. And you're going to work together to try to improve your game and then go back out on the course and try to beat the course. So it's not competitive with each other. You're not trying to beat each other. You're trying to beat the course. And you're working together to try to beat 36. And then when you beat it, you move back to 50, 100, 150, 200. And then we have five tee box divisions as well. So absolutely, there is. There definitely is a little apprehension on the front end with adults, but we've addressed that by trying to educate them before they come to the course, and then they feel like they, when they get to the course, they're ready to go. They're like, oh, there's already a plan in place to get me from where I currently are and then where I want to go, and then they're, they're good to go. Well, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, it's always a, a challenge for us to, when we have a player out in the course, to try and introduce some skill development at the same time uh, playing the game. How do you do that, and how do you resolve that, that dilemma out on the, uh, through Operation 36? Sure. So, Harold, we, we separate on-course playing 
with the weekly classes with the curriculum. So there's a full curriculum that they go through in the weekly classes to prepare them to improve their skills on the golf course. Then when they go on the course and they, let's say they struggle a little bit, and we keep track of their greens and their putts, and you can clearly see, okay, this person hit two greens today from 25 yards away, and they had 15 putts. So our formula that we always use is 6-15, at least six greens in regulation, 15 or less putts. If you can do that, you're probably going to shoot 36 or better. So if somebody comes in and they have two greens, you know that you've got to work on something to get them to hit more greens in class that week. So maybe you work on ball striking. Maybe you work on strategy. Maybe you work on equipment fitting that particular week. I'm not sure. It's up to the coach at each facility to figure out what is best to work on to help that person then improve their ball striking so when they go out and play the next week, they can see results. And what it really has done, which is interesting, is it holds the coach accountable for mm-hmm. actually, improve, actually improving the golfer on the course. And some of our coaches, when they're in our seminars, they're like, holy smokes, I've never been held accountable for actually improving their scores objectively on a weekly basis. And some of them are like, wow, this is great. I can't wait to do this. I'm up for the challenge. This is what we should have had all along. Well, I, I know that uh, – I've given my co-host Jason some lessons, and I really don't want to be held accountable for what he does on the call. <laughs> then don't do this. Don't do this. Exactly. Well, and that's what I'm curious about now. I know you're you're taking the operation. You, you guys uh, did it there ten years ago. You and Matt, and then you started getting questions from other local area uh, pros at, at, at courses. What is there a resource? Is this something that uh, people that are interested on their own out here on the West Coast uh, can try and undertake on their own, or do are you still at the trying to spread this out to PGA pros? Do you really need a coach or an instructor to help fully integrate the program if you want to undertake it? A hundred percent. So to fully integrate Operation Thirty Six, which is playing components, playing in nine hole events. Um, the curriculum where the students work through the six levels, and then also the mobile app, the iOS and Android mobile app that motivates folks outside of class to play and practice, includes drills and activities for them to do outside of class. Yes, we, we run that through a coach. You can go to op36.golf, click find a program. There's quite a few out in the Pacific Northwest that are doing really well, and you can find a local program eventually. Um, a couple of years from now, I think we're going to try to do something where we can hit the end user. Uh, first versus having to go through a coach right away. But for right now, you're exactly right. Find a, find a coach in your area that's running off 36 by going to the website, and then they'll get you started. Ryan Daly, our guest, Operation uh, 36. Uh, and then uh, you're keeping, uh, keeping track how, you know, with this uh, you started last year, uh, how much do, how close do you anticipate getting to 2025 are there some initial numbers what's the initial response been the initial response has been pretty good um we've got a ways to go like uh, that's a pretty big goal i think when we look at it every week we're like holy smokes maybe we shot a little bit high but it really makes us think about how are we going to get a million new golfers into the game it's not just like walking on a golf course or like hitting a basket of balls we've set it such that somebody has to go out play nine holes and not 36 events, shoot 36 or better from 25 yards away, and they are considered, in our eyes, a golfer, a golfer who's written down a score, they've beaten 36, they're engaged in the game of golf. So it's, it's not really just like bringing them on the course and saying, yes, we've got somebody. It's like actually training them 
getting them to beat 36. We're going to need quite a bit of help. I'm not sure we can do it all in the United States. So we've got eight other countries currently that are running off 36. We may need to add some more as well, but it, we'd love to get a million new into into the game by 2025. Yes, it is ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's well, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. Uh, the health of our game depends on how many new players we bring into it. Uh, and this is a, a program that you not only motivate, but the player learns, uh, understands how they're developing and they can measure their development. I applaud your effort. Uh, this is great stuff. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I think the thing for us that we always think about is, like, how much – well, first off, like, how hard is it to figure out how to get a, get on the golf course and play if you've never played before? I mean, that's a daunting task. Right. And it's like, what do, I, what do I wear? Where do I buy my equipment? How do I do this? I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to embarrass myself. There's so many things involved, and if we can – shrink everything to 25 yards away and get them out there and understanding how to use a golf cart, understanding how to walk on the golf course, where to put your bag, what things to say, what not to say. If you think about it from 25 yards away, if they played nine holes, there's a lot of things that they learn in that small space and they have a respectable score, which we found is extremely important for somebody to walk off the course and say, Hey, I shot a 45 for nine holes my first time out. And every hole's a par four to kind of keep it very simple for the player versus going out and saying, oh, I just shot 125. It took me six hours. I lost two dozen golf balls, and I had a horrible time. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> that's, that's Jason's day. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, no, no. Yeah, he's well, we've been working together a while. It's all right. I'm used to it at this point. Ryan Daly is our guest. Uh, if uh, – uh, people are listening to this. They're interested in the program. Uh, it's not available at their uh, club or course they normally play at. Uh, can how do they put you? How do they put their club or course in touch with your program? One hundred percent. Great question. So if they go on the website and hit find a program, put in their zip code, and there's nothing in their area. They can hit a request form to request the program in their area. Then somebody on our staff, we do this on a weekly basis, then reaches out to the area pros and says, "Hey." You have some families interested in your area and doing Operation 36. This is something that you'd like to start. So if there are some folks out there that are interested, please go on the website. We do this on a weekly basis. and Call pros around the country and just let them know people want to do this. Would you be open to having these people come and take lessons from you? So we're, we're kind of getting on the offensive now. We, before we were kind of, I guess you would play, I guess you would say somewhat on the defensive as we were creating everything. But now that we figured out how it works, and the recipe of how it works, we've kind of gone on the offensive and just started calling people and saying, hey, people are interested. Do you want to do this? And there's some pros that love it, and they're ready to jump in, and some are like, I'm so busy, I can't, I can't put in a program like this. And then that's where we reach out to our pros that have reached out to us and said, hey, if there's ever a job opening in Portland, Oregon, or wherever, please let us know because I, I wouldn't mind working there. So we've... <laughs> We've almost turned into somewhat of a job place oh, there you go. as well. Um, so we never thought we'd do that when we first started. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Ryan Daly, Operation 36. We thank you so much uh, for taking some time. Again, the website, Operation, the number 36.golf or Operation36golf.com. Uh, just Google it. It'll take you right there. It's a great website, all the information, and, again, uh, the search. Thank you so much. Best of luck, and hopefully we'll check in with you uh, periodically and see how the quest is going for a million new golfers in uh, 2025. 
Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's have a great golf season. Yes, let's have a great golf season. Ryan Daly there. We're way over, but uh, it was such good content. We'll take a quick break. Harold will be back. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the Masters and a little bit more about uh, Operation 36 as well. Uh, As we close things out here, it's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Thanks once again to Ryan Daly for joining us. Operation 36, uh, doing a quick search here in the Portland metro area. Uh, the program is running at uh, the Reserve in Sahali out on the east side, as well as a, a few of the private courses, uh, the Portland Golf Club, Oregon Golf Club, Oswego Lake, uh, Waverly, and Tualatin Country Clubs. So those are uh, the areas. But again, uh, go on the website and at the course that uh, your regulars at, uh, just refer them, see if they'd be interested uh, again, the reserve and, and Sahali uh, do have public access. The others are, are private clubs, but uh, I think this is just a little word of mouth opportunities and uh, let them know about it and uh, get in touch if you're interested. Uh, and, and really, this is, uh, I don't know how novel it is, Harold, but I know development is something you've been working on your entire career and uh, you're pretty impressed by this program. I am, absolutely am because it has a process and it, I've always started players near the green and worked backwards. But I didn't have a way of measuring the way that uh, Ryan and Matt have developed. So you're, uh, you're measuring your, and, and setting goals. And so I think from that standpoint, this is a no-brainer for a new player. Uh, I, Ryan said it best when he said that you're not competing – against another player because I I think that can be very intimidating for for beginners Uh, but you are setting your own goals and reaching those goals and you don't progress from a division one to two until you've reached that goal so it gives you a, a place to start and a way to continue and when you uh marry that with some skill development in a private or a group situation, you will improve so much faster and the game will be a lot more fun. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and again, if you, if you're a course, you're not sure how to, uh, go ahead and, uh, lob us, uh, on the text line, five, five, three Oh five. Uh, if you're interested in it, or you can get log on operation, the number 36 dot golf, uh, and get in touch with them trying to uh, connect guys uh, just a couple more minutes here Harold uh, will hopefully be back in the studio next week and uh, but we will not uh, we found out yesterday we will not be having the masters being played uh, there are some including uh, uh, Jack Nicholas who thinks even though they're trying to postpone it it will be impractical uh, to play the masters this year this was uh, his thoughts with ESPN and all practicality I don't think there's any way that the they're postponing, but I can't see any way that they would, you know, play at a later date. I think it's just uh, how in the world could they work it into the schedule? What it wouldn't be fair to any other tournament that's later. So, uh, you know, I think I think we're probably going to miss the Masters this year. That's just my opinion, but uh, I think it uh, makes logical sense. Uh, well, I guess I I disagree with Jack because I did find a place in the schedule. The only problem is that it it. Uh, 
Augusta National doesn't uh, play out real well in uh, late July, early August. But there's a week there that uh, the Olympics is being played, and not all the players are playing in the Olympics. So you have four U.S. players. What are the rest of them doing? Uh, they're going to be taking a week off. Uh, that might be the one place you can put it. But, again, it would be a challenge playing uh, at Augusta National that normally closes from uh, when June to October. So uh, that might be the spot. Yeah, I would be more inclined uh, to possibly play it uh, after the Tour Championship, quite possibly. Uh, more more October. they got to dodge the Ryder Cup, but I... I would be more inclined to try and uh, do it then rather than trying to wedge it in. Lord knows when they get back to playing what uh, what they'll have to do to the schedule to try and get all the other majors in uh, when they do it. But Augusta, the nice thing about Augusta National is it's, a, it's its own thing. They can decide to do whatever they want to do with that course when they want to do it. And I would think the weather come late September, early October would be much more similar to what they might have in April. Uh, obviously the course will be different uh, in some capacity, but I would rather see him do it then uh, in that early wraparound schedule, but do it fairly close to the end uh, at August of the season. I think you might get as good a tournament as you could possibly have at that point. Yeah, I think you you have a good point there. That would be my second choice. Uh, the problem is that you've already locked in a lot of sponsors Communities are expecting to the charity benefits from us. So who do you cut out? That's yeah. very difficult. A lot to uh, lot to uh, think about, uh, but everybody's going to have a month here at least to try and uh, figure out how to get the uh, the tours back going once uh, once concern has uh, been alleviated over coronavirus. Uh, thanks to Ryan Daly once again, Operation Thirty Six Dot Golf for joining us. Uh, check out the website if you uh, have more interest. Harold, uh, get better, stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll see you here next Saturday. I'll be there with bells on. All right. Get that meat out of your throat. <laughs> Thanks as always. He keeps trying to bring the, the level of the show down to down to the center and the thing. Well, I know. That's the difference between somebody that graduated from Lake Oswego High School and one from Lake Ridge. So hey. uh, thanks to Will. <laughs> level of sophistication on the south side versus the north side. We'll talk more about that later. Center and Saint coming up next. Uh, thanks, Will. As always, Luke will be taking the seat. And uh, then everybody stay safe. Uh, please take care of yourselves and your families, and uh, hopefully we can get back to sports here sometime soon. For Harold, I'm Jason. Hit them straight. Everything was fine. I could breathe. I just couldn't swallow. Fiji's uh, in Europe. Uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.